Y'all got to quit preaching my sermons. Makes it, more, it makes it boring when I get up here. <laughs> Today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2. Uh, and specifically, that the, we're not going to look at the verse, but the verse that comes right before Mary ponders the things. We're going to talk about what Mary was pondering today. So, good morning. Um, so, I, I, I love our flexibility to be able to swap this stuff around. Uh, so, here we are, one week away from Christmas Day. So, if you've not got your shopping done, now's crunch time. I'm on that list of not being done yet. Um, but we've all seen, we've testified this morning of God's work in our lives. These are things that we celebrate. Um, the stuff that happened with, with Mike this weekend, God's, even though he was hurt, God's provision in that and, and the testimony from Carrie. Um, I, I just want to draw attention to Wednesday night at the Christmas party. You guys just showed up and, and went big and it was incredible. I know that, um, I didn't share this during testimony time because I wanted to mention it now, but I know that, uh, Bethany sent this out to the, to the Wednesday night team. But um, Zane, one of the kids that got baptized, his great-grandfather was here Wednesday night, and he's actually the one that built this church. He was the pastor here, and, and Zane's dad came in, he walked through those doors, and I was standing there, and he went, whoa, this is weird. And I said, being in this room or the way it looks right now, he said, yes. Because if you'll remember, when, he, when, when we bought this place, it had royal blue carpet. If you're not sure what that carpet looked like, there's still, a th- uh, still some of it back here in the baptistry blue pews. It was a very different looking building. And, and so it was cool for them just to have that, to be back in this space and then to see, uh, you know, Zane said, I know these halls, I mean, Zane's dad said, I know these halls like the back of my hand because he ran around here like our kids run around here now. And Zane's great grandfather came up to me after the service or after the, the party and, and basically um, said to me, but he wanted to say to the whole church is, this is what church is supposed to be about. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't expect that reaction from him. What I really kind of expected was for, because I know me, you know, and if I build something and somebody comes in and changes it, that bothers me, right? And so I, I expected that kind of response, but his response was um, him appreciating the work that God was doing through our body in this community. And he said, more churches need to be like this. So anyway, good job, guys. And I wanted to share that with you. But you know, I, I was thinking about this week as as was preparing for this message that our entire year, this year, has been a blessing to our body. Um, there's so much that God's done for us, and we share testimony every week, all year long, about the work that God is doing in each of our lives. And today, as we talk about the birth of Jesus, as we're pre- preparing to celebrate uh, Christmas, it's my prayer today that our hearts are going to feel that that peace, that joy, that hope, that love that comes with the birth of Christ. I love that over the last few years, kind of the overarching theme that God has given to us is this idea of our redemption story. I keep going back to that. I know I talked about that a lot in the book of Hebrews, and I talked about it. I brought it up a lot during the study in James. But, but really, this is what Christian life is about. From creation until uh, the end of time, God is redeeming and restoring his people back to himself. And he does that through Jesus, which is what we're obviously celebrating at Christmas time. You know, I, I love the idea of the story that we were made perfect and we chose to disobey God. And then we ran from him, we hid from him. We've talked about how Adam and Eve literally hid from God in the garden after they sinned. And we, we do that in our own ways, right? And, and so, all of us that call ourselves followers of Christ have had this kind of experience. What we've, 
what we've had happen in our lives, what we've begun to understand is the beauty, the mercy, the, the goodness, the grace, the love that God gives all of us, the things that we don't deserve, God gives those as gifts. This is why Christmas is so special. It's not just that we get to gather with family because some people don't have family to gather with anymore. It's not just the presence under the tree because some people don't have presence under the tree. It's not about just eating a lot of good food because not everybody has that opportunity. Christmas is special because we're, we're celebrating literally the best thing that's ever happened in history. And that's the fact that God came. Emmanuel is here. He's with us. I, I remember I was thinking about this and I think about it every year. Because it changes as you get older, your experience of Christmas Day. And I know that my story is probably very similar to yours, is that when I was a kid, Christmas Eve was the hardest night ever to fall asleep, right? Like you're just laying in your bed in anticipation, but thinking, I got to go to sleep because if I don't go to sleep, I'll never sleep. You know, Christmas morning, I'll never get here. And and, and then you wake up in the middle of the night and you tiptoe into the room, take a peek and see what's under the tree. And then you go back and I was always so excited. Y'all remember that feeling? Is it just me? Okay. All right. It doesn't stay that way, kids, just in case you were wondering. Um, but after all of that, um, I, I, I realized that I've experienced God, right? And, and I've had some personal times in my life where God has made himself real. He's been in the moment with me. And I'm like, yes, I can point to this. This is God. We testify to that every week. But then I think about I think about those shepherds, and I think about, like, we did the spontaneous melodrama Wednesday night, which was incredible. Like, it was the most chaotic, beautiful thing ever, and the kids got to be a part of that story, and I loved it, and I was thinking about all the shepherds and the sheep and the angels, and uh, it, it, was, it was fantastic. I loved it. It's probably my favorite thing of the whole night, um, but I, I imagine what it might be like to be on that hillside when these angels just pop out of nowhere, and I, I'm... As I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about the fact that they're announcing the arrival. I'm, I'm reminded that for thousands of years, God's people are waiting for the fulfillment of a promise that one day, remember Russ used to talk about this, there's going to be the one who can crush the serpent's head. One day there's going to be a king that's greater than David. One day the Messiah will arrive. And for a few hundred years, before that, or during that time period, like God was silent. There were no prophets. There was no word from God. And remember, I, I think I shared this last year, but there's, it's called the 400 years of silence. Like the United States has only been a thing for 247 years. And, and, and think about how far away July 4th, 1776 seems from today. And for almost twice that amount of time, there was no word from God. And so here you are, the shepherd on the side of the hill, and these angels burst forth in the middle of the night where they're sleeping, and it says they're terrified, and the angels are like, don't be scared, we're here to make this announcement. Let's read it together, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It says, in the same region, and it's talking about, because just before this, Luke is talking about the fact that Mary and Joseph have come to Bethlehem for the census, and it says, in the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified reasonably. Okay? But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
Today in the city of David, a Savior is born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Can you imagine? First there's one angel, that's weird enough. And then a multitude, and they're, you know, it's, it's, the imagery is like when Isaiah is standing before the Lord and the seraphim are there saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Those guys know that story, right? And they remember that Isaiah fell on his face, not like Mike, but a different kind of fall on your face, in fear, right? And that's what they're experiencing. Can you imagine being one of those shepherds, realizing that you were the ones that God chose to tell the world that the Messiah has arrived. Of all the people in the world, God appeared to you to proclaim that God's returned to his people. And keep in mind that during this time, the Romans had conquered the entire known world, right? Like, that's what they're living on. And if you look at the history of Israel, like, Years, generations after generations of these world powers coming in and conquering Israel and subduing the people and scattering them and bringing them back together and scattering them again. This is where they, that, that is the, the mentality that they lived in. And, and the angels say this, and I wanted to key in on this today in verse 11. He says, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. Notice how, they, how Jesus was described by the angels. First, they call him a savior or a deliverer. In Greek, it's this word kiros. And in Hebrew, it would have meant Yahweh. Okay? So the angels are saying to these shepherds in a way that they can understand that God is here born today. And then he calls him the Lord or the master of all or deliverer in Greek. In Hebrew, when you look at it, it means to help, to save, to receive, to be victorious, right? And so here's these guys on the side of the hill. Israel's been conquered by Rome. And we've heard this before that the, the Jews were looking for a conquering king, as I would have been too if it had been generation after generation after generation of being conquered by other kingdoms, right? And then this is the way the angels describe them. Now we know looking back, on it because hindsight's 2020 like we see what they're calling he is the king of king the lord of lords he does conquer everything specifically sin and death but for israel if you think about the cultural connotations this would have rendered they're thinking finally we're going to be delivered from the romans finally life will be easier you see how much that could have meant for these shepherds so like not only do they get to experience these angels and the proclamation of the Messiah, but also this conquering king that they're looking for. Like this is a big deal for them. It's almost kind of like that anticipation that we experienced as kids. Like it kind of wore off because it had been a long time since God had said it. But then you, you ever have a time in your life where you're anticipating something like a trip and then it falls through and you're like, oh, okay, I guess there goes that. But then all of a sudden, it, the opportunity comes back and all those feelings jump back in you all at the same time. I have to imagine that's what it was like for them. We may not know exactly how they felt, but what we can know 
What we can understand is the joy, the peace, the hope, the love that we experience as God works in our lives here and today. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, we have experienced the deliverance that the angels are proclaiming that's coming. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know Him as our Savior. We know what it means to be victorious because Jesus is our victory. He's the one who conquers the things in life that try to rule over us. And so what do we do with that knowledge and that experience? The title of today's message, and the only point I got, is to bring the good news home. For you, that might mean to your children, your siblings, or your parents, or even your friends. While we may not have angels appearing before us to proclaim the birth of Christ, we do have personal experiences. We shared a bunch of them here this morning. We are celebrating not because, not just because it's the time of year to celebrate Christmas. We get to celebrate because we know God personally in a way that we haven't known Him before. Right? Our lives are different because of who we know God to be. The shepherds celebrated because of the news and because they found baby Jesus just like the angel said they would. Look at what he, they go on to say. Or Luke says in verse 15 through 20, he says, When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then this is what Kara read this morning. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So here are these shepherds. Angels pop up. Tell them about it. And they're like, man, we've got to go check this out. And so they do. And they go and they find Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus swaddled up just like they said they would. And these shepherds, they got to tell somebody, right? They're like, Mary, Joseph, I'm sorry if I wake the baby, but I got it. There were angels and all of this stuff happened and they told us about you and you were here. That's what Mary's treasuring up. Is like God had given her a promise. He said, you're, you're going to be with a child and, and he shall be called Jesus, Messiah. And, and then these angels show up to somebody else. Because remember, she saw an angel too and so did Joseph. And so some more angels show up to some people she doesn't know. And they show up, and here's baby Jesus. And they're saying, man, let me tell you about what God just did in our lives. Imagine for a moment what it would have been like to, to sit down in that moment and to hear what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. Because everybody was amazed. And in that moment, when they're sitting there with their loved ones, sharing this experience together. And I want to ask you, imagine what it would be like for you to be able to sit in your home or your parents' home or your friend's home and share with them the experiences that you've had with God this year. All the things that you have seen and heard and experienced as you have walked in obedience to God. When you go home for Christmas and you see people you haven't seen all year, they always ask you one question. What's been going on? We want to catch up. What you, what you been doing this year? You know, or, or some people will send out those letters that like, hey, here's what happened this year for us. You know, added a baby to the family or we got a new puppy or whatever those things say, right? I ain't got time for those. I've never written one. But you know what I'm talking about. 
You have those conversations. Like David's fixing to go to West Virginia, and I guarantee you people are going to say, David, what you been doing this year, man? Why are you not working anymore? And he's going to get to say, let me tell you what God did. I can tell you for me for the last few years, sharing the good news with my kids and my family has become the highlight of Christmas. But it's not always been that way for me. I was like everybody else for a long time. My focus was on the gifts and the, trans, the traditions and the plans and what food we we're going to eat. And the actual reason that we were celebrating got lost in the background of all of that noise. I worshiped at church and other designated times, but I kept God's activity to myself for the most part because I wasn't trying to, I don't know, it just wasn't my focus. But God was doing amazing things, but I wasn't telling anybody about it. Not because I didn't want to, it just wasn't on my mind because of all the busyness. This morning, or this week, I was reading a, a, a Spurgeon Christmas sermon and that he preached, I don't even remember what year it was, a long, long time ago. And, and the text caught me off guard because it's not a typical Christmas text, but I want to read it to you today. Um, but man, this spoke to me, and it's what kind of led me down this path to where we are today. So look at this with me in, in this passage in Mark chapter 5. This is a story you're familiar with, but we're going to read it because I want you to get the whole context. So as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with a chain. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him and he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment, torment me. For he had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the region. A large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may not enter him. So he gave him permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. What a Christmas story, right? See what happens. It says, then the men who tended them ran off and reported to the town and the countryside what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs. They began to beg him to leave their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. But Jesus did not let him go. And I want you to hear this part. He said, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. You know, I, I resonate with this guy. Not the demon-possessed part. I hadn't, that's not me. I resonate with his desire to continue to be with Jesus, right? His whole life has been this torment. I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. And Jesus saves him, just commands the demons out, and it works. And if I'm him... I want that peace, right, that I'm experiencing to remain. And so, Jesus, can I just stay with you? Jesus said, no. And in fact, this doesn't just resonate with me. This resonates with you too. We've all had these incredible experiences with God. But rather than doing like the shepherds and, and this other guy and telling everyone we meet, we choose to stay with Jesus often. 
We share here at church and at life group, but we stay in our little huddles, enjoy being comfy. If you remember, I used that word comfy last two weeks, last week when I was talking about multiplication and the fact that God, when we were really comfy, called us out because that's who we are. That's what we do. I have a sneaky suspicion that God's not done speaking to us about this, but I don't want to get ahead of him. We have collectively learned over the last two years that our story is one of redemption. As we have grown in our faith, we have become more like Jesus. In his sermon, that, I, that, that scripture came out of Spurgeon said this. He said, Christianity makes a husband a better husband. It makes a wife a better wife than she was before. It does not free me from my duties as a son. It makes me a better son and my parents better parents. Instead of weakening my love, it gives me fresh reason for my affection. And he whom I loved before as my father, I now love as my brother and co-worker in Christ Jesus. And she whom I revered as my mother, I now love as my sister in the covenant of grace to be mine forever in the state that it has come. What, what Spurgeon's describing is when we become followers of Christ, when our faith is growing, we become different people. And, and the relationships that we had before don't go away. They get better. Our relationships change with others. Our relationship with God changes. And when we experience God as an activity in our lives, God wants us to share that with other people. That's the whole point. This is why we share the gospel. By testifying to the goodness of God, we open up other people's eyes to how good God is. Just like the man in this last story, we tell others about the amazing things that God has done for us, and it amazes them too. I want to share a quick story about Thursday night at the Sinai Interfaith meeting. During that meeting, Ms. Stella Poindexter, who's with the Rapids Association of Educators, had the task of relaying to the assembly all of the things that we've worked on and or gotten accomplished in the last year. And it's a very extensive list. It was one of the longer parts of the meeting. And it was incredible to hear. She did a phenomenal job of laying that all out there. That was a daunting task that I did not want to sign up for. But Miss Stella did a fantastic job. After the meeting, a pastor from Colfax came up to, to me and to Ben Nugent-Peterson and spoke to us. And he explained that he had heard about Sin Law Interfaith before, but he was incredibly hesitant to get involved, and, and rightly so. And I reciprocated with him that at first I was a little hesitant too because I've seen organizations like this come and go where you put out this plan and we're going to work together for the sake of the community and it's going to be good. And, and I've been a part of some things like that before. But as he heard Miss Stella talking about the works that we had accomplished and as he heard individuals talk about their one-on-one -on -one meetings that they've had over the last year, it changed his heart. It changed his understanding of who we are as an organization. And so he came up to Ben and I and said, I was hesitant, but now I want in. What do I need to do? How do I become a part of this organization? That organization works because our focus is on building relationship with other people. Because there are people in that group who their beliefs and my beliefs don't match. But the beauty of this thing is, is that our beliefs don't have to match in order to work to get somebody's utility bill taken care of, right? We can believe different things about Jesus and still work together for the good of our community. And so what this man saw, and he, he came up, this grown man, and like his eyes are watering. He's not crying, but he's right on the edge of it. 
Because he's seeing what God is doing through this group of people who care about one another. He saw a glimmer of hope. He saw something that was different. And he wanted to be involved with us. And I, I was, we do a debrief after the meeting and I told the, the group that organized the meeting, I said we had two goals. One was to talk about all the things that we've gotten done and the second was the business part of it where we could affirm our guiding documents. Mission accomplished on both accounts. Now this is a testimony about a meeting, right? A change that took place. No doubt the Holy Spirit was involved in that. He's the one that orchestrated all that. But imagine what could happen in your lives with your loved ones when you share something that's better than a meeting, right? Because nobody gets fired up about a meeting, right? I mean, I kind of do, but that's my thing. But what gets people really fired up is when you, somebody that they love, comes to you and says, man, let me tell you what God did. I want to share another. I didn't plan to do this, but I want to share one more quick testimony, and then I'll be done. I got a call Friday afternoon, uncle of mine. He is... My dad's in his 60s, and he's at least 20, 25 years older than my dad. He's an old fella. Um, name's Uncle Fred. My kids know him well. Uncle Fred's a peculiar cat. He's the one who gave me a half a jar of peanut butter for one year one time. Same uncle, okay? Uh, uncle Fred doesn't have any kids, um, but he's a great guy. Brings stuff to my kids all the time. Um, and he called me, and he said, Will, um, I go to the church in Bunky, and the pastor invited us to invite some our neighbors, to come to church. He said, I got this new family live next to me. He's like, I don't know what you call it, but uh, this mom's got these kids that aren't hers. And he explained, I said, that, that's called foster care. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing y'all did. I said, yes, sir. And he said, um, I invited them to church and they came and it went really, really well. And he said, um, you know, it breaks my heart what those kids have to go through. He said, uh, what can I do to help them? He said, obviously I'm not looking to adopt any kids. Yes, Uncle Fred, I, I know. So I talked to him about what it meant to be a CASA volunteer. And he said, okay, I'm going to look into that. The point of me sharing all that is he watched from a distance as we went through that process many years ago. And then he got to see it up close. And that experience, God did something in his heart. He saw something different than he had seen before. And it changed his heart. What I propose to all of us today is as we go home for Christmas, because we're not meeting next week because everybody's going to be gone somewhere. What I'm proposing is that we pay attention. God is going to give us an opportunity to share with our family and our friends what he has been doing in our lives the last year. But we got to be willing and ready to share. In your life, the life of your kids, your families, your friends, all of it can be changed by you sharing your story of what God's done. As we celebrate the person of Jesus, as we celebrate his birth, let's be like the shepherds. Let's be like the demon-possessed man. Let's tell people about the amazing things that God has done. And in doing so, I'm going to say this, and it's so cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's Christmas. We'll give them the best gift ever, a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Because that is the best gift ever. All right, we're all fixing to go home. Today, we're going we're gonna to sing some Christmas carols, and we're going to worship. And I want you to, to take the opportunity to look at the words of those songs. Let God work in your heart, and let him prepare you to share your story with your family and friends as you go home. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for, for being so personal 
in coming and humbling yourself to be born as a babe. God, as, as we are preparing, making those last preparations for Christmas, that final push to get everything done, I ask that, that you would give us moments to just be still, to experience your joy and your peace and your hope and your love. God, help us as we are enjoying our families, enjoying the festivities. Help us to pay attention to your spirit. And in the moments that you have preordained, Father, that, that as people ask questions about our lives, that you would give us the words to say, to share about the goodness of who you are and the things that you have done in our lives. And Father, I ask that those things would be a catalyst that your Holy Spirit would use as he draws people to himself. Father, help us to be a part of that and to see it and to know it and to share in the joy of the gospel with our family and with our friends. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen.